I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This is Julio Rodriguez, and this is the Lookout Landing Podcast. Coming back as long as <laughs> nothing goes wrong, which I mean, given how this year has gone, looks like <laughs> what could possibly seems smooth, seems seems fine. Yeah, when the smooth only stipulation glass. is no one can get a virus, I feel like we're gonna have some trouble. <laughs> mm-hmm. An incredibly catchable virus, like yes, yes. So welcome to the Lookout Landing Podcast. Uh, my name is Matthew Robertson, joined today by Kate Prusser. And John Troopin, and we're going to talk about this plan that baseball has to restart the season. Uh, like Major League Baseball, I probably have not done an adequate amount of preparation before agreeing to this. So that is why we brought in Kate and John, who follow the news much closer than I am. I have. Uh, Kate, what are your original original thoughts? We'll get into this deeper in a second, but I want to hear, when you saw baseball is back, were you happy, scared? Just quick, what was going takes. through your head? Um, well, first of all, I want to say I do not think you're alone in people who just totally checked out of what's been going on with the latest news in baseball. So hopefully, if that's you, this podcast will be helpful in getting you up to speed. I will say, if I didn't have to, if I did not run a baseball site, I would have checked out of this a long time ago. Um, I was so... It's been so annoying to just back and forth and back and forth. And every time I sat down to write an article, there'd be five 
t- contradictory tweets that, you know, I was like, oh, I should incorporate that. I should incorporate that. I should incorporate that. And then I just go have a beer because things suck. Um, so I will say my immediate response is one of uh, trepidation and measured joy. Like, I'm happy to get things rolling if they can get rolling safely. And I don't know that uh, Florida is our, our best example of what safe might look like. Um, that is definitely like having things demonstrated, I think, by the the poorest performer in your class. Uh, whereas you might want that modeling. There's a reason that, uh, you know, n- no kid from the back row ever gets called on to model the experiment for the first time. You, you, <laughs> as, as a teacher, I'll say you, you put that hand, you, you put that job in the hands of one of the more capable students. So uh, sorry, not sorry, Florida. Uh, so we'll see how it goes, but I am nervous, but excited, but nervous. Very Jesso, Jesse Spano feelings over here. Yeah, I think I'll get. <laughs> I, th- I think I'll get excited. I I wanted to be. I mean, I don't know that I wanted to be more excited, but like, I I've just felt I felt more nervous than I I very much felt the nerves, and I don't like I don't personally have anything directly invested in this i mean like i like obviously we write about this but it's like i don't feel enthusiastic right now about about this it, it feels like it's been this sort of months of negotiation and all this stuff and and suddenly it's just like well fine we're doing it then screw it and like it, i don't know it, it's a very weird feeling absolutely yeah i don't know if i think it's a good idea like obviously i'm excited to watch baseball like i'm sure all of us are and like have these familiar characters in my life but i also just can't help but feel like i'm gonna hate it you know (laughs) like for me not even there's the virus element obviously which is the most important but like for me also the whole theme of quarantine has been that like every single thing that you do every action every inaction is just a reminder that things are so different and we can't do them the way we want to. So I feel like that's going to be the vibe for me watching these guys play in weird locations with no fans. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm still going to watch, but I worry it won't feel real. Like, it's going to feel like just spring training all year round, which is what I'm afraid of. Yeah, it's going to be hard to... And I mean, I know we'll get into questions about legitimacy, but yeah, it is... I do feel like every time you go out and everybody's in masks, even though I recognize it's a safe thing, it's like, I've been on this earth for kind of a a relatively long time, certainly longer than most of the staff here, and I just don't ever remember anything looking like this, you know? The world has never looked like this, and it's jarring, and it's weird, and it's disorienting, and I maybe the familiar... I, I will say, I watched the Perfect Game Showcase... This past week, the 300 best high school prospect or 300 high school prospects came to Hoover, Alabama and played and it was incredibly soothing. And I know, John, you watched some of that, too. So I'm hoping even if the game is not like it's not the most meaningful baseball, that it will provoke even more soothing. I mean, these were kids I'd never seen before, a lot of them. And yet just going through the motions of baseball felt incredibly soothing to me was that your experience john absolutely it was it was almost jarring i you know i've been watching some of the kbo um and on occasion but i mean it's it's 
the timing doesn't really line up all that well so it, it's tough even if it is you know fun to get that sort of good quality baseball so just seeing you know especially coming on the heels of the draft seeing this next batch of guys some of whom you know I've know about already and you know have been reading about to some degree I mean it really was like ah oh, man this is cool and and I didn't find myself thinking like god all I can think about is oh my you know are they going to be healthy or whatnot um because I mean really I'm not so concerned about the players getting sick um although obviously that is a concern but it's more like all of the infrastructure around it that, you know, all of the, the other people who are required to put on an MLB production of a baseball game, uh, those are the folks that are, you know, more at risk and are not being paid a significant amount of money. And, and so, I, you know, when I sit and think about it outside of the, actually when the game is in front of me, it is really it's hard to it's hard to get sort of excited or, or agitated and I, I mean I guess that's kind of telling on on how my mind works but like when it's actually in front of me it's very relaxing and pleasant but I, I don't know that that's a great feeling I don't know that that's a great sentiment for me to be having right I feel very selfish because I'm like I'm not worried about the players getting the rowney as much as I'm worried about am I personally going to enjoy this <laughs> like which is not the issue at hand obviously <laughs> but I'm like think about me like how can we make this more user friendly rather than like how can we make sure that Dylan Moore doesn't get sick you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah I I mean I guess that concern might come and there's definitely a reason I used a picture of Dylan Moore as uh, the header photo in the article about baseball coming back because um, I feel like that kind of sums things up. Like the whole taxi squad. If I mean, I thought that a lot of the modifications that were going to be in place, like Universal DH and whatnot, were not going to be used. And now it turns out they are, even though MLB made a big like stinky poo in their statement about saying the players rejected it and we offered all these fun things and the players rejection what is what is um mlb making a big stinky poo if that was a little stinky poo (laughs) 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 i I would like to know i would love a stinky poo meter from kate real quick Uh, I think we'll, we'll, the limit does not exist for the MLB stinky poo meter because we're going to see, like, everything's going to go off the charts when it's time for the CBA to be negotiated because that is going to be ugly. And every single thing that has happened in these negotiations have, uh, are, what's the opposite of Jenga where you stack things up and it gets more and more perilous and Pick up sticks pickup sticks. Except, I don't know, you fucked it up. You fucked up pickup sticks. <laughs> yes. It's a fucked up pickup pick stick slash Jenga uh, just cluster of badness. Like, every single thing that, that came out. Maybe like Tetris, where like each statement that fell down from the sky fit worse with the, the last previous statement. I don't know. Anyway, we had a uh, we had a thing in gym class. All of my fellow uh, children who grew up in the early two thousands, we had cup stacking. It was like a craze for a little bit. It, there was no oh, yeah. real fit. There was no real fitness involved. You would just build. 
formations of cups and then try to take them down as quickly as possible. That kind of feels like what the negotiations were. Like MLB was like, all right, here we go. We made you this giant <laughs> stack of cups. And the players were like, no, 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 no. And systematically <laughs> tore it down in like 10 seconds. Matthew, did you guys, did you guys have a like – a salesman specifically come to your school to pitch yeah. those. Yeah. Cause we had that. Oh, yeah. yeah. We had that and the waveboard guy. And those Ooh. were like the two like people who came to just, I guess, get an assembly. Like, I don't know what amount of money you have to give public schools where they're just like, sure, we'll <laughs> pull kids out of class and give a presentation on your product. But you're completely education, like unrelated to education product. But that is, oh, yeah. I think we had a yo-yo guy. No cup stacking. I'm too old for that. But I think yeah. there was a yo-yo Pre guy who came to our, our school and, and tried to sell us all yo-yos. I don't know about the waveboard thing, but we had jump rope for heart too, where they would try to sell jump roping to all of us. And there was like a competition element where like, if you could, it's kind of like book club meets jump roping, if I remember correctly. Like if you could log that you did X amount of jump roping, you would get cool prizes. And then there was some like charity element for it too. It was like for heart disease, but I don't know what the waveboard is. Can you enlighten us real quick? Uh, it was something I... I'm particularly ill-suited to, but waveboards were just, they were like a skateboard, but um, it was essentially, there was like some sort of joining uh, like thing in the middle. And then the two like components where you'd normally set your feet were separate. And so you could essentially propel yourself by like raising and lowering your feet. And so you were essentially like pumping um, and it would like, allow you to just balance and propel yourself around without having to like kick. Um, just to so, be clear, these are all things that were being sold to school children correct. during school time, which feels, yeah. it feels wrong, feels potentially illegal. I don't know how that uh, worked exactly, but yes, yes. That I mean, I didn't I, have a problem with it with the scholastic book fair, so I guess I shouldn't complain. And the, um, the jump roping one seems on the level, but this just feels like flim flammery. It's totally. it's absolutely uh, uh, pretty bizarre. Because, I mean, yeah, the book club thing, you know, it's a book. A thing you would often find in school. Skateboards and skateboard-related <laughs> things, typically not only not found in a learning environment, but often actively discouraged or a symbol of... Uh, you know, opposition to the <laughs> institution of uh, sitting in a classroom. So, yeah, uh, I I don't know. I mean, I encourage you guys to sort of look up waveboards and and maybe check one out. They they looked nifty when anyone. It was you know it was like the pre hoverboard because they were similarly. Right, that's enough from you, big waveboard. <laughs> well, I do I do know what you're talking about. I knew those as ripsticks, which maybe that was the name of the company, mm. but I'm sure they're the exact same thing. Yeah, they. I never successfully utilized one, so I do not have a sort of strong enthusiasm. For anyway, it. speaking of injecting gross commercialism into a thing that we love, <laughs> oh. did we ever get anywhere with the idea nice. of uh, patches on the jerseys, sponsorship patches on the jerseys? I didn't. I remember hearing about that in our various. Uh, but I'm not I believe sure if that that, was that part is of this going to be. Yeah, I believe that is going to be part of the. Uh, next next cba discussion because they couldn't resolve it um i think that's one of those well i don't yeah i believe that's something the players association has to actually sign off on um and so uh it would it would actually have to be part of an agreement and not just manfred says 
which is also a bad game. Uh, Manfred well, that's, says. Manfred says is the worst game. Uh, you win nothing, and uh, everybody goes home mad. Um, <laughs> let's talk about some of the other proposed changes to uh, the game as we know it under this current plan. Because uh, there are a few that are making people... If you thought people were mad about the Universal DH, oh boy, have I got something to tell you about runners, <laughs> runners starting on second base, free runner, or I believe that... What the miners were calling him last year was a courtesy runner, which seems just a completely uh, ill-fitting euphemism. I don't know who that's a courtesy to, except Manfred. <laughs> uh, uh, are you guys familiar with the term of the courtesy runner? Because that is interesting that they're mm -hmm. calling it that. It's, it's usually like a little league thing, do isn't it? It is a little league thing. You'll do it for like the catcher or the pitcher, and they'll like put one out there so like the catcher can start putting their gear on so that it doesn't take as long um, for the next inning to start or like, so the pitcher doesn't get hurt. But yeah, I, I do not, I think that's a very good point because mm, the courtesy is not really being extended to anyone uh, other than a few media members in no, this circumstance. Yeah. Or maybe the players who like don't want to play extensively, but mm -hmm. I, I mean, I've, I don't know. Anyway, so that is something that is coming, which was um, something that they talked about and then implemented in the minor leagues very quietly while no one was looking, kind of like the pitch clock. Uh, and now all of a sudden it's going, after swearing that it would not be in major league games, here it is, um, which again feels like MLB using the excuse of a pandemic to try out stuff they've kind of wanted to do all along. Um, which makes me hate it on principle, even though I will admit, I mean, pitch clocks have been good in the minors. I do not mind seeing a pitch clock come to the major league game because I think, I think Grant Brisby did this, a study of like where the most time is wasted in baseball. And hmm. it is not really extra inning games because there aren't all that many of those. And sometimes you get like a marathon that goes on until the 15th or 16th inning, but you know, those are kind of those are definitely your outliers. Where you lose a lot of time yeah. is when batters step out of the box and they readjust their batting gloves. And I love Robinson Cano so much, but his whole batting routine was incredibly frustrating to watch. As somebody who, you know, kind of wanted to see watching Corey Guerin pitch, same thing. Oh, how I hated watching him go through the machinations of his pitching. So those seem to me to be the places we can really shave some legitimate time off the game. And if we want to do it, I, I wish pitch clocks were one of the things that had been talked about rather than the courtesy runner. Because it scares me that it's getting a little traction. I will be really interested in seeing. I couldn't stand it in the minors last year in the games that I watched where I saw it a few times. Um, I just feel like it makes for pretty boring baseball. I will be interested in seeing what the baseball community's response is to it. Uh, yeah, I don't think pitch clocks are really an issue at all, especially now that people are getting more and more used to them. Like, this next generation is going to have it in the minors, so that's fine. The problem with the runner on second thing is that it literally changes, like, the, the like, code of baseball like if you were like you know what i mean like it's like they hacked the mainframe and they're like we found a way to make scoring easier and make things go faster <laughs> but it's not the same sport like yeah you, it's jailbroken baseball mm -hmm. yeah like base runners are not a thing you can just materialize out of nowhere those have to come from getting a hit or getting on base like it's so dumb to me to just put someone 
on second base. That's the only one that makes me go like old man mode. I don't even mind like the DH. I'm just, I'm done arguing about it. Honestly, I thought having it in one league and not having it in the other was perfect, but whatever. I I think it's interesting because it is, it seems like the college football overtime rule was what they were trying to emulate in it. Um, Except the college overtime rule isn't made to like shorten the game. It's made to make it more exciting. Uh, At least by my understanding, uh, which the college football overtime rule is teams start with the ball, like basically take turns starting with the ball at the 25 or 35 yard line, basically like within range of making a reasonable field goal, but also, you know, a touchdown is a reasonable outcome too. And, and so, you know, you, you have, it makes it quickly exciting and, and accelerates it. But, um, it, it, it is, I think not a, it does, it doesn't come up all that much. Like extra inning games aren't that frequent. It's like 4% of games, I think go to extra innings, but it is just like, there are so many other solutions that don't just, disrupt the active like stat keeping and like all of the other just general base functions where where it's like I, I you really could get i mean for the time component it is from that brisby piece like it was about 20 to 30 it was uh like 25 to 30 minutes of extra time of just inaction between pitches from 2014 back to 1984 like that is the big issue there and I know that's not what they're going for in this particular circumstance but it's just like there are lots of ways to change like the process of the sport that don't involve just materializing extra things you know to 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 really disrupt the game and second too I feel I mean given the percentage chance a runner has to score from second with no outs which is not a number I have off the top of my head, but I know that it's high. Hmm. It It is so gifting a run. And I mean, I don't, again, have the numbers on how many times it turned into a run in the minors last year. But just based on my own watching of minor league baseball last year, I, I would say, I don't know, I would have guessed something like 70% of the time, 75, something like that. It just feels like in a game where... There's been so much movement in the sabermetric community to understand the numbers of baseball and the the probabilities and the percentage chances. This just feels like manip- like straight up, like Matthew said, hacking it, manipulating it, um, and making it making the game behave ways that it does not making the game behave in ways that it does not behave naturally. And I think what I like about baseball so much is there are so many potential outcomes you never know what's going to happen because uh, there are so many ways for runs to score for outs to be made for errors to be you know everything is such a an complex interaction of factors that it almost feels like dumbing it down to like well this is probably what's going to happen now and then you just sit and you watch them grind out like the sacrifice the sacrifice the runner comes home you know and I know that there's some strategy at play where, like, oh, if you're the away team, you want to rack up more than one run because you know the home team is probably going to score at least one. 
and but it just it feels joyless to me the biggest rule change that we're perhaps getting it's been reported as a proposed mlb rule change from chris cotillo on twitter and i'm of course talking about this little note that says pitchers can have a wet rag in their pocket as substitute for licking their fingers so this would obviously be in place to prevent pitchers from licking their fingers and then touching the ball and then another person touches the ball like that's obviously a great way to spread a virus but putting a fucking wet rag in their pocket as they're pitching simply cannot be the best solution like there has to be a better way maybe like a spray bottle on the mound would work better but if you have a wet rag in your pocket while you're already sweating and working out really hard like we're gonna have dudes who are completely soaking wet from the waist down and pitchers also like the camera the camera is behind a picture so we're gonna get that view all the time we're just damp just a big wet ass oh we're gonna be able to watch it expand like imagine like john lester's big wet ass in fact john lester's john lester's big wet ass let's read that was an original that was that's it is unbelievable i mean like they have a rosin bag like that's i don't know what the what the thought process. maybe it's around the neck i mean it can be just like everyone looks like they're sort of relaxing i don't know they're gonna sweat just wrap touch your hair it doesn't matter like what the whole point of this is like i don't know that that is also like one of the ridiculous parts which is like if you're if the setup they have is so flimsy that a one guy touching their mouth is going to unravel the entire thing i feel like it's not a secure plan in in the slightest yeah it's it's crazy and also like the pitchers are gonna forget like you're gonna see guys lick their fingers all the time that's much more natural anyway than oh yeah i gotta go into my pocket for this wet rag although i also imagine it'll be hard to forget time for my spit rag yeah. No. Is it going to be a shared one? Oh, yeah, so, well, probably absolutely not. not. Probably not. I mean, that would sort of defeat the point, I suppose. I picture but... some like poor clubhouse attendant running up and like sealing each wet rag in like a plastic bag between innings. Oh god! You know, putting well, them but, into every, one of those there... big biohazard containers you see outside of doctor's office. No, I mean I like the idea that like pitchers are going out there like quarterbacks with like the little like the towel sort of just hanging out. But it, the problem is if it's pre-wet, I mean that is just yeah. I I, I don't know. I, I am enthusiastic about the potential for just like slip some you know some we're gonna get some spitball or spitball like things going at. Some- yeah, someone's going to put Vaseline all over their rag. Like, there's going to be some, oh, yeah. some cheating for sure. Keep an eye on the Astros' rags is what I'm saying. <laughs> see how uh, see how luminous they look in the in the sunlight. Come up with... I can't wait to let the internet sleuths who, you know, looked for all buzzer gate uh, loose on the Astros' rags. Man, it's just so funny that that was like... Someone had to write that, you know, while they were hammering out. <laughs> They're like, all right, guys, what's what What do we go with? Wet rag? Wet cloth? Like, damp? Which one's better? Like, there was definitely a conversation around that, which is so funny to me. Everybody punched the one guy who said moist. Yeah. yeah. 
But you're right. Like, how are they going to police, like, the amount of wetness per rag? Like, if you're a bigger guy, do you get a bigger rag? Do you, you get know? a wetter rag? <laughs> I I think that what it point. it's funny, but when I saw that tweet, I did, I thought it was a joke tweet because of the wet rag part. Like, I didn't realize. And it, it's tough because, like, these are the things that I want to hear litigated or uh, discussed because I want it to be a, a plan. And yet it all kind of sounds ridiculous. And I, I don't know. I mean, maybe that's just because this is our new normal and, and it is abnormal. Like it does, maybe the solutions are going to feel weird to us or, or funny because they're so outlandish, but that's just the world we live in now. I, I just, yeah, I, w- I was maybe maybe hoping for something a little more scientifically scientifically worded than wet rag. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait for like sponsors to get involved too. Like people are going to be fighting to have like the wet rag deal of the Kansas City Royals. It's going to be great. It is going to be great. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Um, we wanted to hear from you guys, though. Obviously, like we said at the beginning, um, no one really knows everything. Even the reporters and the players and people that are highly involved don't seem to know everything. So we figured you would have questions and you did not disappoint. Uh, I think we can move to these now. Uh, we got a lot. Thank you, as always, for everyone who sent questions in. Um, I guess we haven't really talked much about the actual Mariners yet, so we can go into that. This question comes from Alex Langer. Uh, what does a successful short season look like for these M's, especially in terms of guys like White, Long Jr., and Gilbert? And there's other questions that are kind of adjacent to this as well. So if we don't get to yours specifically, just know that we are going to try to answer it in this question from Alex. Um, what do you guys think? I mean, obviously, like, good numbers are a part of it. But with 60 games, it's like you're almost doing, like, a, a half rookie season. Like, it's not their first season. It's their .5 season sort of thing. So I don't really know what to think. And, like, the I would almost give them a pass. Like, I don't want to say this season's going to be a wash, but, like, the lead-up to it was so strange that you got to imagine it's going to be weird, especially for guys that Alex mentioned. I mean, White hasn't played yet, but, like, Long and Kyle Lewis and Justin Dunn, like, they had a sip of coffee, and now they're going to get, like, a full cup of coffee. They're going to be in their third big league season before playing a full 162, which is pretty weird to think about. I believe John has like a specific scenario, like per game scenario worked out that is his dream scenario. So I'm going to defer to him to describe it. But I will say in general terms, my perfect season idea is 
the young guys go show promise and then the games are blown by veteran members of the bullpen. I'm not sorry, <clears throat> Hirano. Um, and then, so we see like some positive growth, but not enough to endanger our draft position. Yeah. It seems like that is the platonic ideal of a Mariner season here because Anyone who has importance for the future, like they need to be protected literally at all costs, both in terms of baseball and in terms of the coronavirus. (laughs) Yes, Kyle Lewis in a bubble would not make me unhappy. Like just one of those big, like the personal yoga bubble, that picture that was going around on Twitter a few days ago, that, but for with like wheels on the bottom so he can run around and then like a little hole for him to stick his glove out of. That's my ideal Kyle Lewis setup. The other thing is, too, like with such a short season, like let's say, you know, God forbid someone has a minor injury, like someone rolls an ankle or tweaks a hamstring, like just sit him out for the rest of the year. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't really matter if it's the end of the season. Like if there's 20 games left and they get an injury, they think will last 10 games. Like there is no point in making them come back for those games, in my opinion, at least. Like I wouldn't even if there were players who were like, I really don't want to do this. Like I'll just continue what I was doing this offseason anyway. I would totally stand behind them because it is scary like we're seeing even now before the season has started that like there's like eight Phillies or something there was some wild number out of Phillies camp already and it's like that does not bode well for when they have 30 teams trying to do this (laughs) no although it should be again Florida um (sighs) I think so there's a 45 day IL that they've moved to instead of the 60 day because the 60 day would literally be the entire season um, which I guess is a, is supposed to provide some flexibility so that a player can, I mean, it probably has something to do with money. I don't know, but it just seems like why not just keep it at 60? Like what, what is the point of a 45 day IL? Is there a 30 day IL that we could, I don't know. Um, but that's definitely, and I feel like we're going to see injuries too, right? Because of the conditioning being interrupted, spring training being interrupted, guys having differing abilities to work out while in their various locations. So, and then, you know, they're supposed to, according to MLB's proposal, show up July 1st, which is, and then they have July and that's it. So, uh, things are feeling a little bit, uh, just, yeah, it, it it's it's a tenuous situation, I think. And it, obviously that doesn't apply just to Mariners players. It applies across the league. So uh but we have we've drifted far afield from from John's idyllic vision of what a perfect Mariners game in 2020 looks like. So why don't you uh regale us with that, John? Yeah, Kate, you you pretty much hit the nail on the head. You want about a 7-2, maybe 8-2 lead going into the seventh inning after a nice start by Justice Sheffield or Justin Dunn. Uh, And then just you want uh, some combination of Yoshi Sayurano, Matt McGill, uh, and, you know, really any of the other veteran uh, sort of relievers to come in and just absolutely uh, get hammered real Throw quick. up on their uh, shoes. Just yeah, a complete um, donkey show. Well, then you have Sorry the rag. It's perfect. You can, you can clean it up with the <laughs> rag. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, I would not – I mean, like, 
I'm not at nearly as opposed. Like, if the options are Mariners play poorly enough that they are, like, the worst or one of the, like, two or three worst teams in the league, or the Mariners outperform expectations because the young guys are playing better um, and are doing some process-based things that are really encouraging, I'll take that latter one over the, you know, the second straight top 10 pick because it is encouraging about the development. Uh, You know, it's encouraging about the player development. It's encouraging about where the guys that they already have are in terms of timeline. Um, And it's, you know, it is encouraging with regards to the team turning to 2021 and saying, okay, we do actually have a group of players that, are worth building around here. So let's, you know, what free agency looks like, who knows. But if they are a team who is coming off of, hey, we didn't actually spend any money this year because our initial uh, payroll was already microscopic. Like, there's, I'm not saying like, oh, that is going to mean, oh, the Mariners are going to suddenly come out spending a bunch. But like, they're in a very good position in theory, to set, to be more willing and more able to spend, or not able, but more willing and have more justification for spending than other teams might. Uh, so they could they could really take advantage of other teams not wanting to spend money in in uh, in the in that sort of scenario. So I would take that, but uh, I'll also just take a lot of terrible, a lot of like nineteen ninety six kind of Mariners games. Uh, with great starting pitching, or a couple of great starters, uh, and then just a catastrophic bullpen. And I gotta say, like, once in a while, Justin Dunn's gonna get blown up, you know? I mean, we saw him struggle with command last year at times. Uh, I will definitely take to a very poor start out of the gates by all of them. Uh, that improves as they go on. So, like, you know, I would not mind seeing Kikuchi just suck for the first couple of starts and then start to turn it around and, and show some real promise. It's tough because in 60 games, we're really not going to get to see that same uh, angle of growth that we would, or we won't have quite the size, sample size that we would have in a full season to measure growth. So it's going to be tricky to measure growth in such a short season. But... um yeah, my my worst case outcome would probably be them all getting off to a hot hot start, and then you know sucking for a while, and then uh, getting it together again just enough to like knock the Mariners out of top ten for draft position, and not answer any questions about like developmental upswings. You know, inconsistency would really worry me if like. Sheffield goes out and has one good bat star, one bad star, one good star. Like that, that would be, that would be very worrisome to me. Yeah, I think the the inconsistency, unfortunately, is a very likely outcome. Um, I I think that what we have to find is is some what we'll hopefully get is you know a few guys who develop who deliver sort of consistent. Uh, performances because I mean there's just there's so much out of whack like you're not gonna have you know a big thing I wanted to see this year was can Justice Sheffield and Justin Dunn go deep in games 
probably not this year and that's not probably not necessarily yeah exactly like you know maybe by the end of the year they'll be if hopefully they're healthy you know they can be going deeper into you know some of their starts but like it's it wouldn't be reasonable to ask them to go more than essentially that three four innings and doing some weird piggybacking that they would be doing like in spring training almost exactly matthew said something earlier about how this whole year will feel like spring training all year uh and i i think that might be the case which in some ways is easier because like in spring part of the reason i like spring training is things don't really matter like you can just play the game to play the game and it's all about development which is my favorite part of baseball seeing players improve get better uh, reach their ceilings nothing makes me happier um so maybe just taking that approach to the season this year like we're going to look at it as development we're going to not focus on outcomes at all which i realize is also the way we looked at last season um but even more so this year and yes remembering that it is very likely that uh, because growth isn't linear so probably things are going to be a mishmash at times yeah, I mean, it's it's very much, I think, spring training, somewhere in between spring training and, like, watching the double-A or triple-A seasons, where it's like, this is quality baseball, but it's still fairly nonsensical, and um, you're going into it knowing that the outcomes are going to be less consequential than what you're seeing from each individual player, and that's not... I think for a lot of people, that's not the most satisfying type of uh, type of baseball to watch, and I, I think it is it is hard to get you know hard to try and change that to look. We just are going to have some baseball, and we're going to watch you know see the development, which I mean again was going to be this year in in general, but but it's frustrating that you won't get as big of a picture. But I mean, sixty games if that is even remotely plausible and safe is bigger is is significant relative to 45 48 games which i mean it doesn't seem like much but it is a bigger it is a bigger sample it is more to work with it is a bigger sort of test and we get off easier here i think than dodgers fans who for example who have or other fans of teams who have a lot invested in the 2020 season because it was supposed to be a competitive season for them and you know the Mookie Betts trade just hangs over everything I feel um man I actually feel bad for the Dodgers because I think (laughs) that they probably are going to win and it's going to be challenged the legitimacy of it is going to be challenged for like ever uh, I feel bad for the Yankees, who you know were. Ugh, do I? That's a hard sentence to say. Yeah, but the Yankees will have Cole for a long time. They Mickey will. Bats could very easily leave after this year. Right. Yeah. So the Reds, I think, are a good way place to put your sort of sympathy if you want that of number of you know short term guys. Did uh, this is a bad question, and Isabel's I think within earshot, so I may suddenly have something flung at my head. Yasiel Puig still has not been signed, right? Or did he sign I was, somewhere? I was <laughs> thinking about that literally this morning. I think the Giants got him, right? Weren't they interested in him? Uh... Uh, the Giants were being like rumored at being interested, but I don't think they actually signed him. 
The last thing from Blog Red Machine two days ago was that he turned down a KBO offer. So he's definitely still a free agent. Okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, yeah. I, 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 I do think the Mariners relatively are – I am glad the Mariners' season wasn't going to be that important in terms of wins or losses uh, in in – in this circumstance and, and that, I mean, that I, I sort of hinted at this and I was being a little bit petulant, but the, uh, the only real sort of big thing for me this year was this could be suddenly like if there hadn't, if there hadn't been, or if there wasn't, if there isn't a season, this could be the end of Kyle Seeger's Mariners career, which would be just very, anticlimactic and weird and not appropriate uh, for somebody who is no. you know he deserves all he deserves his his flowers no one they don't have a replacement anyway so who knows yeah we actually we kind of got a question that's on that track and john you mentioned some of these guys earlier but uh this question comes from malcontent 47 do you think the reduced salaries and season make trades of players like Seeger, Hanniger, Walker, Graveman, and Hirano more or less likely? Also, just a question from me, Matthew. Is there a trading deadline? Like, have they hammered that out yet? Like, when that was going to be? Or is it just trades can happen whenever, wherever sort of thing? They have floated August 31st as the supposed, as the proposed trade deadline. So it would be roughly 30 to 35 games into the season if it starts july 24th to 20 oh man somewhere in there. that could be so, hilarious you're gonna see dudes on bad teams yeah. just come out absolutely swinging yeah. for the fences <laughs> like please sign me anyone uh, uh, i'm hitting 230 with 19 <laughs> home runs in 12 games <laughs> i mean i we were talking about I, well i proposed this earlier but daniel vogelbach is honestly someone who could very much benefit i mean not benefit but who could be a trade uh, target or, or trade chip just because all, you know, universal DH and he's absolutely a guy who could come out mashing. He had a decent year last year, obviously fell off really hard, but like, you know, when you guys are talking earlier about like, it'll be their third season before they actually play 162 games or the equivalent. It's like, oh, so the Daniel Vogelbach experience. Yeah. <laughs> uh, everyone gets it. Um, so he's a guy. I think Hanniger, if he's actually healthy, which I don't know. I think Seeger won't because he's got the option. Yeah, like poison the poison bill. Thing. I don't think people will want that. But Hanniger and uh I think Hanniger is, is undesirable because of the health. Like... Uh, see i think if he comes out healthy and mashing i think that that would very much work because i mean again you you don't need him to be healthy for a full season right you You know this year you only need him to be healthy for especially if you're like a team with a good shot at the playoffs but you want to like beef up your lineup like you bring him in you have him dh sometimes you know you have him play in the outfield and then you you work him back in i mean he he is a guy who i think this doesn't hugely help but like not having technically just missed three months of baseball i could see walker being very attractive as well if he comes out strong if his velocity is returned um that all i think depends on how much he's been working out and what kind of shape he's in as will dictate what he can do but um uh when he was working on i think uh 
He was working on his changeup, if I'm not mistaken. In, in, um, I think so, yeah. In spring, which which was looking more interesting. Graveman, I don't anticipate being a huge trade chip. You know, Taiwan, I think, is the kind of guy who has that, like, on his best days, you would want him starting in a playoff game. I don't think that's really Kendall Graveman. I, you know, you, you wouldn't trade for Kendall Graveman for that sort of ceiling. Whereas Taiwan, I think you could you could get that. Yeah, I agree. Um, not not that it's super likely, but but it's it's much more plausible. He could he could be that kind of. Graveman guy. is more built for like, you need six dependable innings to like mm-hmm. keep your streak alive during the months of during the back half of July and August. So. Yeah, could could we lease yep. uh, Kendall Graveman for the do- <laughs> you know for August? <laughs> yeah. The, it is going to be fascinating, too, I think, to monetary, like, this is going to be unquantifiable, obviously, but, like, seeing who's really invested. Like, I would not be surprised if we see Kendall Graveman just have that, like, what are we doing here face all year, you know? Because it's going to feel like <laughs> yeah. the human element will come into play big time. And, like, you got to imagine that for a lot of these dudes, like a Kendall Graveman, like a guy who's basically just, like, I needed the contract, so I'm here. Like, you're going to see a lot of, like, this doesn't matter energy i think yeah and that's something I that i actually so will be intri- intrigued to watch too because like i don't know what the schedule will look like but there will be games where like the mariners are playing the royals and it's like this is a fake season at least you know some of the players are going to think that yeah this oh, is a yeah. fake season none of us are going anywhere like yep. let's just make this game three to two and get out of here in an hour 30 and we'll be fine <laughs> yeah well so i actually don't know the schedule thing is interesting because i know the at least the last recent discussion they were having was doing it regionally right so it'd be like the al west and the nl west would exclusively play each oh that's other, right and then the al central and the nl central i don't know if that's still going to be the i case, haven't but seen like, the would... regional talk kick up again i'm wondering if we if it's going to depend on what we see as far as infection rates yeah I, yeah, I mean, that, I don't know. I mean, it's really uh, stupid, first of all. Let's just be clear about that. It's really uh-huh. stupid to assume that, like, the region of the American West is somehow, uh-huh. like... Which includes Texas its and own Houston. bubble, right? That's, <laughs> um, yeah, that's, yeah, it's... I think that that is a plan that might get discarded. But, again, that's something we have to wait to hear about. Yeah, but I, I do think, like... To, to the investment point, I actually was wondering, sort of on a on a larger level, like, I I was just thinking, like, oh, Hander would be a great target, but then, like, is a team going to say, well, yeah, we're going to trade away some prospects for that will eventually play in full season to try and get a better team for this season that a lot of people are going to call, like, fraudulent or might not even be... Um, you know, might not be completed if the playoffs don't come. Yeah, together. I, I think, think the that more attractive, really, more attractive would be trading for a guy who's got like a year plus this right. whatever. Which I mean, until you know, that's Haniger so, or, yeah. or but yeah, I, I don't know that the rental trades like Walker. Yeah, might no, really I agree. In thinking like unless you know the price is cheap, which it would be if it's which it would be anyway. Even on a full season, the price of a of a rental late season rental is. True. not intense i mean no one's giving up top premier prospects for that so and i mean prospects right now are uh a little less valuable than they used to be because there's not so much space for all of them 
We got teams releasing prospects across the board. So I don't know if that drives up the value of the remaining prospects. Maybe teams. I, I would think it would drive it up. I, I would feel like, you know, teams are going to, you know, I mean, it, you know, it's all somewhat manufactured, but like the, the idea of, well, here's a guy who isn't losing, quote unquote, a, you know, a season of, uh, big you know service it isn't getting a season of service time for this shortened season and is instead just you know hanging out and and, you know they can work with that i mean that that honestly seems even if you're not necessarily sure what you can do developmentally with them immediately you know the like low minors guys who have a lot of potential i feel like that's exactly who teams would like um uh speaking of prospects i think that as far as the investment side we will see it will be interesting because there are a lot of guys on the Mariners who are looking to prove that they belong in the big leagues, that they are big leaguers. Um, and I think we will see that high level of investment, even in a shortened season in Dunn, Sheffield, White, Long, Lewis. I mean, all those guys. And meanwhile, there's going to be one very anxious Jared Kelnick chomping at everybody's heels, trying to prove that he yeah. also belongs up there. So I'm definitely excited to see that play out. People should wash their kneecaps. Right? Oh, yeah. Jared, I'm thinking. Just watch, watch you. He's just biting at the heels the whole time. So. Uh, and, you know, beyond that, there's a there are a bunch of other Taxi Squad guys, too, that are going to... I mean, I think we see a little bit of Logan Gilbert up this year at some point. There's just... Especially if there's no meaningful minor season, you're not going to waste a whole year of his development. So I think there's a strong possibility we see him. A uh, good possibility we see LJ Newsom, some of the other kind of upper minors guys. So that's pretty exciting, too. Hundred percent. It's gonna be so much like figuring it out on the fly too, because like every team I'm sure had at least I, mean, I shouldn't say every team. The smart teams, the teams that maybe uh, are more willing to plan in advance rather than just react to the news, probably had like seven or you know a lot of contingency plans in case. Okay, if we play this many games, we'll do this, and then you know the cards will fall where they may. Now that we have at least somewhat of a skeleton here i hope that teams are like putting those plans into action but we will probably see a lot of teams that are like eh fuck it you know it's gonna be i'm excited for the fuck it the fuck it energy and the what are we doing here energy it's gonna be two like two very interesting things to monitor and both are gonna come from bad teams for sure we might see some of that fucking energy from the mariners just throw exactly that's what i'm saying jerry depoto says i'm sick of fielding calls from jared kelnick's agent put him in and then if you let a if you give a, a Jared Kelnick a cookie, then you have to give a Julio Rodriguez a cookie because then he starts saying, What about me? What about me? And then, you know, it's a whole chain reaction. I'm excited right. too about the uh, Baseball America has floated this idea of expanding the AFL, the Arizona Fall League, also having a Florida Fall League and having each team field a team as opposed to like the five or six players that they send. So it would be like sort of a completely souped up Arizona Fall League and I don't think that the taxi squad the upper minors guys would go I think that this would be a chance to get guys like top prospects who are in the lower levels like a Jason Dominguez for the Yankees who hasn't played any stateside ball yet really needs this year of development 
you don't want to just kind of leave him in the DSL Academy, although maybe they'll do something like that there where it's just their own. Maybe they'll still do a DSL league, but like maybe you have some guys like Noel V. Marte. What do you do with him? Maybe put him in this souped up Arizona Fall League. That could be really fun. Just an all prospect yeah. power league. That would be fun. We should end with some fun, actually, because uh, we have a fun question from our very own Eric Sanford at Sanford and Son on Twitter, staff writer for Lookout Landing. Uh, Eric wants to know if a season happens. He's pessimistic. He wrote probably not, but that's not important. If a season happens, what will become the go-to non-high-five dugout celebration for players after dingers, etc.? I think that this is something that players will do plan like this will be actually choreographed for sure because they're gonna have like you're not gonna hit a home run and then just walk back in the dugout and not do anything so they're gonna come up with some shit i'm sure guys have been watching the korean league they have their own little choreographed celebrations the thing that i'm worried about is having the wrong people in charge of these things you know what i mean like you need to make every team should designate the guy on the team that like the general public an official celebrant yeah rather than mm-hmm. just like oh this guy's been here for a long time and he controls the music in the clubhouse so i guess it's him yeah it i do be, not like, want kyle seager personality i don't want kyle seager in charge of celebrate although kyle seager has you know he had some individual little celebrations with everyone i doubt we'll see any bear hugging and picking players up uh like the I mean, classic nelson cruz kyle seager hugs i was gonna say the 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 like they already had a pretty good one because the bear hug wasn't Bear hug's no good, but they do the, like, jump and butt bump kind of thing, which, like, they were both facing mm-hmm, away. Mm-hmm. And, like, Seager and Cano would do that a lot. Like, that's pretty perfect, right? You're you're turning away. You're not going to breathe on Yeah, someone. no droplets. No droplets no in a droplets. butt bump. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's, I think that's a solid start. I think it, I would love to see some, like, intricate, like, handshakes, but, like, you're six feet away. True. So, like, you're, you're doing, like, Air the whole, shakes. like exactly like you know you're doing a whole thing um yeah i I think that'd be good um i'd love to see some like maybe making some paper airplanes uh oh props yeah i didn't think about props yeah um yeah i mean you know just various different things uh i mean honestly what i would love is if not that this would happen but like obviously mlb has to be this is like the one year where they have to be like sort of strict about like what players are wearing or bringing in. But like, if you could get players, like if they, if a player was like, Hey, I want to wear like a bandana or something. Like, I feel like that would be or like some sort of like mask like thing that would also be like some flair. I, I feel like that, that sort of, stuff like just you could bring some props in you could bring some gear in i, I think that would be uh an opportunity to just keep it alive yeah the mlb really has to make sure that they don't just like have a season that no one will ever talk about ever you know what i mean like that is i think in danger here like the diehard mm-hmm. fans like us and people listening to this we're gonna watch the season no matter what and then you're going to have people, I assume, who are tuning in just out of curiosity. Like, I've honestly, I've been doing that a little bit with English soccer just because it's on during the day. And I'm like, oh, I wonder what this looks like with no fans. Like, I'm a very, very casual fan of English soccer. But I think we're going to have that with baseball, too, where people are just like, oh, I wonder what their season looks like. And if there's not anything that, like, entices them, then we have a real problem. Because, like, 
this is an, in a weird way like an opportunity to try some shit and i know we just spent 20 minutes talking about how a lot of the shit that they proposed is pretty dumb but yeah. like a little thing like flair is a perfect a perfect idea you know what i mean like let them have something that maybe under normal circumstances wouldn't really be looked upon favorably but like yeah if a player hits a home run and then someone you know puts a mask on their face when they get back to the dugout like that's fine that's like perfectly harmless it's topical has all the elements of great comedy that we're looking for you know so might as well i I just hope that it's not like do you remember last year in the world series uh adam eaton and howie kendrick had this weird like driving a semi-truck celebration it was like deeply deeply unsettling i hated it i thought it was so (laughs) weird i just didn't get it ruled no, here's the problem. Listen, listen, listen. I have the same problem with NFL touchdown celebrations when there's no context. We have no idea what you're doing. Like, I need to be able to understand your art for it to have any sort of effect on me. They were so driving I, I think... a car. But what it, it's I, not uh, sorry, rocket science. Sorry, Picasso no, didn't leave you a fucking no. Walk I understand. I understand that part. I just didn't like. It didn't make any sense to me in terms of like the reason for it like driving a car i guess driving in runs it's like a very i don't know it didn't work on me personally and maybe i'm the minority because you guys are very <laughs> enthusiastic about this but i remember I, like they did such a tight close-up of that and i felt so uncomfortable watching it so wrong your opinion is so bad no but like we're close here the celebrations we all agree should <laughs> yes, be welcome yes, we all agree they just need to I do them the in a way that makes aspect. sense yeah, I, I guess. I mean, a, a choreographed dance where you're all six feet apart. I mean, anything that... What's the purpose of a celebration? It shows unity, right? So you have to have everybody doing the same thing, which when you can't, like, touch each other is going to be tricky. So, yeah, I think I think we might see some choreographed stuff. I will say, watching the PG showcase, uh, those guys are wearing batting gloves. So, like... You know, a guy would hit one out, and he'd just come back and, like, do the fist bump because everybody's got batting gloves on. And I feel like that is probably... I I don't think we're going to see super exciting celebrations just because the old fist bump. Yeah, well, that. And also, I think we see, I will say, though, the the PG showcases. Yeah, those guys don't know each other necessarily, but... Yeah. But So the celebrations are kind of... And, you know, you don't want to, like pimp hitting a homer off of a 16 year old guy who's throwing like 88 so but it's so that that's necessary but i just wanted to point out they will have batting gloves on so there is kind of a level of extra sanitation there anyway soul train line down the dugout or get the fuck off the camera all right that's i could i could see that i would like that that one's perfect that one's perfect because i also love when you can tell that like there's one guy and like when the quiet guy on the team hits a home run and it's like okay we get to see what he does like that's i want to see like that guy come back to the dugout and have to do a little dance down the the dugout train that's like that would be a perfect celebration for me personally because then it's also you get the little bit of like self-expression so if it's like a very reserved dance that's also like right. very cute who do you, you know? think we need to who should be because we talked around this a little but we didn't name names who should be in charge of let's each nominate who should be in charge of celebrations for the mayor yeah, who's, who's the celebration boss d gordon i think mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i'm worried that d falls into like the d is kind of pissed about how things have shaken out and he's also 
pretty unhappy with the fan base after the comments on the Mariners' Black Lives Matter post, which, bad job, everybody, bad job on that, because the players Well, I like to think that those people are not listening to this. I really (laughs) hope so, yeah. If that is you, uh, please find a new podcast, but... (laughs) Yeah, you've been shadow (laughs) That's... um, I don't know. I just D. I don't know that D is. I. I don't know. I don't know about D. I maybe. Uh, really. I'm gonna say Shedlong, who I think still okay. still has youthful optimism and enthusiasm. That's true. D has been beaten down by the world. But remember 2018? He was so jovial and he was doing that like jump high five celebration. I guess it also helped that they were winning and he had good players on the team. So. Yeah, they were right. good, think, and he wound up fighting with Gene Segura later in the... I mean, that was a real turning point, I think. That Oh, God, the 2018 season just broke me. I don't want to talk about that. Anyway, sorry, John. I, I mean, I, no, I was going to say, I think we are we are forgetting about Malix, who is has the slight edge on veteranness, but uh, is still basically just like a bouncy uh, ball of energy. Uh, so I, I think that's the... I think he, he sort of has that has the can get the best of both worlds of sheds sort of rookie enthusiasm mm-hmm. um and d's i don't know i don't know if anyone sees malik smith as like a authority figure maybe <laughs> uh, uh, but he is older and did pretty well uh, for some of his seasons so let's be I, honest it's probably going to be a committee of those three that lead everyone and don't overlook justin dunn who is a big celebrator himself and uh and has some has some pretty good celebrations as well he and evan white yeah. have a whole series of things that they do which is pretty funny i will say the sleeper here is probably the relief pitchers who are still in the dugout before going to the bullpen because relief pitchers are already oddballs and now they just have a lot of time to sit and think. They've had a whole offseason basically and then if they're in the dugout already with the guys like kind of in their little relief pitcher corner, I think they have a lot of uh, correspondence oh, yeah. there of trying to come up with something funny. Well, they might have something so we'll out in the, in the pen as well. I don't know how that's going to work exactly because that bench is small and you can't be six feet apart if there are a bunch of you out there, but... I would say uh, Austin Adams is definitely seems to have kind of the personality aspect. He's funny. He's he's definitely and he is like a veteran compared to the rest of them, I guess. So I would not I, w- I would definitely look to Austin Adams for some hijinks out in the pen. Keep an eye on it for sure. Well, all right, everyone. I think that's everything we needed to talk about. Uh, thank you, as always, for tuning in. Uh, if you're listening to this, pat yourself on the back. You made it through a hellscape of an off season. <laughs> Obviously, we're not totally there yet. I guess we still have, you know, the possibility that this gets shut down, which none of us hope happens. But if it does, it's probably for the best. If it gets um, shut but- down, I would just want to say I hope that it's because you know there is a serious. This feels weird to say, but I hope it's because this disease is very difficult to contain and it's just not, there's nothing that can be done about it, rather than a group of Phillies wanted to go eat at a Chili's, which is what seems to have happened and is is pretty frustrating. So, Also a rejected line from my (laughs) mixtape. 
People did not want to hear songs about the Phillies eating at Chili's. I learned that one the hard way. <laughs> uh, I'm glad you did settle yeah, on uh, John Lester's big wet ass. <laughs> yeah. And and his his ass got that wet from sitting in a Philadelphia dumpster pool. <laughs> uh, we love implementing the news. Everyone, if you're listening to this, thank you. Look up Philadelphia dumpster pool on Twitter or yes, on Google. Yes, do, definitely do have that. A good it's laugh. deeply Philadelphia. I can say that I live there. Kate's allowed to say that. Yes. She has a Philly pass. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, we'll have more updates. I'm sure there's. we're going to have to do another one of these closer to the season to both remind you who's on the Mariners <laughs> and also... And also, like, actually, instead of doing a lot of these hypothetical discussions, it's like, okay, they're actually doing this. Like, once the rules are in place, we will make sure to let you all know so you can get ready for a full season or a full 60-game season, Mm. I guess. And then before you know it, the season will be over, and we're going to have, hopefully, the 2021 season can be sort of a reset. But I don't want to look too far ahead. If anything, if I've learned anything this year, it's not to look too far ahead. So. One episode at a time, folks. Uh, Kate, John, anything else before we sign off? Thanks, everybody who sent a question in. Sorry if we spent too long talking about waveboards and didn't get to it. Uh, I won't apologize (laughs) for anything. Uh, But thank you for listening anyway. (laughs) I will also not be apologizing for anything, as per usual. (laughs) Cool. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.